Welcome back to my dad's podcast, season two, My Blackest Challenge National. Follow him on Twitter or Instagram. Hope you enjoy the show. Bye! everyone you are listening to my black is transnational my name is dr kalechi bay lamberts and coming up on today's show we'll be talking with our guest about topics that are considered forbidden in the african community we'll be talking about sexual health sexual violence abuse um, and issues that need to be put to light that affect us old and young generations and what needs to be done as far as being able to bring more awareness in respect of our culture. Uh, we'll be having this conversation with, a, with an author, poet, um, and creative, Mr. Biyadun Abudu. But before we get into that, um, before we even get into the formalities, I know that it's been a minute one since we've had an, another episode. Um, these are strange times, and it's crazy how life has been so far uh, with things being very good and then things being very very chaotic um obviously i've told you all in previous episodes that we my wife and i have been expecting the birth of our son and he's finally arrived he arrived um early march and we just want to celebrate the birth of our son jadena alexander ebay lamberts and you know things were good then and then all of a sudden the coronavirus as we all know now has gone rampant and I think people do not understand the severity of this and I hope people are becoming more aware and more privy to how dangerous and how the how impactful this pandemic is going to be we are just entering the beginning of it I do continue to implore you all right, I'm not just begging, but I implore, I am insisting that people stay at home, listen to this podcast, listen to past episodes, um, but please stay safe. Please protect your loved ones. Think of your loved ones, both old and young, all right, and middle-aged, all right? Everyone is, everyone can get it. Everyone is capable. Everyone is vulnerable. Let us not brush this off. All right, so please stay safe. I just want to put that out there. I am at home, and I'm blessed to be home, you know, being able to take care of my son and be with my family, and I want the rest of you all to be safe and blessed as well. And we are going to get through this. Shout out to all the people who are first responders, who are out there right now, the healthcare clinical workers, um, whoever is out there risking their lives in order to make this place safer and be able to help others who are in need my salute to you all and all those all across the world making this happen all right so now that i put that out there you know the formalities if this is your first time listening to my black is transnational you can find this podcast on any of your favorite podcast listening apps uh, please make sure to rate 
the podcast if you really like it i would really love to hear your reviews you can find or follow this podcast on social media primarily on instagram at black transnational podcast if you want to follow me the host you can find me at black transnational underscore and if you want to know more about just this entire operation you can follow or go to our website at www.blacktransnational.wixsite.com slash podcast but if you go on our instagram pages or our social media pages you will find the website links on there as well all right so regarding our guests as i mentioned I sit down during these times um, to have a conversation with Mr. Biadu Abudu, who is an author of three books. And one is, uh, is a, a poetry book, a book of poems, I guess. And, you know, he's also involved in various um, forms of creative. So he, he does poetry. He's an author. He has a boutique. Um, and but he, the topics in which we talk about in this interview it's one that I think is very interesting. We really get deep into the darker um, and the shaded areas in which I think growing up, I can speak for myself and I hope others can relate that we don't have these conversations in our families and a lot. And, it's, and even though we're talking about it from the, the prism of these African slash transnational lenses, I mean, these are conversations that need to be happening in all black homes. And for those of y'all who are very immersed in both cultures, we realize that what we're talking about, what Biodo and I talk about, is not just for Africans. I mean, this is for all black people, but what makes this a little bit more interesting is that these conversations are not happening in African homes, and this is something that's become very clear and obvious in our culture. Whereas in, in African-American culture, I think there's a little bit more room for people to be more vocal about issues related to sex, sexual health sexual abuse abuse in general um, things that are related to eroticism um, so and even pleasure but these are conversations that become very taboo and very awkward in the black immigrant slash african communities so we really get into the conversation as to why and how does it affect not just us but our parents and even those who are the future generations, what can we do to be able to have more conversations related to that, especially for those who identify with the LGBTQ plus community, which we also really dig deep into um, as far as download culture and um, being bisexual and homosexual and what that does as far as creating a sense of fear when you are residing in an African continent. So we get into some very touchy, no pun intended, we get into some really sensitive topics that are quote quote forbidden, which is why I titled this podcast Forbidden Topics. All right. So I hope you all enjoy the conversation I have with Mr. Abudu. I hope that this conversation can serve as some form of fresh air it can be very refreshing for you all as you all listen to it during your time of self-isolation and quarantine all right so without any further ado here's my interview enjoy Hello, everyone. Welcome to My Black is Transnational. And today we have on our guest, Mr. Biodun Abudu, who is a creative. Um, he is a poet. He is an artist. He is an author. 
and he will be joining us on the show to talk more about his work, his experiences as a transnational, and how that plays a role on just his his art and his products. So thank you, Biodu, for joining us on the show. How are you? I'm great. Thank you so much for having me. Man, it's a pleasure, especially during these times when we're quarantined and there's not much else to oh, do. Yeah. Man, so I'm just glad that you have the time for me, man. I know you could be doing so many other things. I feel like this is like the perfect time for someone like you who's a creative to just sit and start manifesting great things. But um, but thanks for taking the time to share with us. I, I feel like I've already been quarantined before this because I'm mostly at home, either painting, writing, See? or working on my boutique. <laughs> See, this is like peak time. This is like peak time for you, man. Um, yes, perfect. Yeah. So, so I mean, this is obviously my first interaction with you, but I want my listeners to also know a little bit about who who you are, where you're from, and how you culturally identify, and all that. So, please share with us. My name is Pietro Abdul. Once again, I was born, even though I was born here in Rhode Island, but raised in Nigeria. So, I did uh, my um, kindergarten, high school back in Nigeria before I came here. Um, you know, it's also inspired what I do now. I'm an artist, author, and I have my boutique, you know, with the books that I write. It both um, My first two books, um, they both speak on characters from that I met in Nigeria. Um, even my artwork talks about women, mostly, but women who have different stories behind their smiles from back home. And even with my boutique, um, it's like I create them, the products myself. So it's kind of like products from all around the world, whether it's Philippines, Nigeria, Ghana. It's kind of like introducing people to different cultures um, through the different accessories, whether it's bags, handbands, head wraps, things like that. Oh, wow. That's a you are that's versatile. That's <laughs> so versatile right there, man. Um, and it's very interesting, you know, when I when we talk about the different types of transnationals, is and and those are like the dual citizens of sorts. And you, I, you kind of epitomize that because you just mentioned that you were born in Rhode Island, but you grew up in Nigeria, spent most of your young and adolescent years. So before we get into your actual artwork and the inspiration, I want to know a little bit more about what that experience was like being born in America, but also then being raised in Niger? So it's honestly amazing because there's so much that you learn back home that you don't learn here. Mm. You know, it's like you're joining both cultures yeah. into what you're becoming in life or what you are in life. It's, those are the two things that you're putting into your products, your artwork, um, you know, for what I do. In back home, you know, I stayed in the dormitory, the boarding house, as we call it. So I was away from my parents, but I'm learning so much from my fellow um, classmates, the teachers, the um, the prefects around me, the matrons, the housemasters. So you're learning so much and you're disciplined, which is very, very important. Um, you know, Nigeria and most African places, I mean, I'll, actually, I'll say all. They're, they make sure we're very disciplined during these um, school times. Yeah. And these are things that we take with us wherever we go. You know, like they say, wherever you go, you always remember home and you always remember things you've learned from home. Mm -hmm. So these are things that I'm implementing in my daily life here in the U.S. Wow. Wow. Yeah, man, that, that is amazing. Um, and especially now how you're able to, as you mentioned, bridge both or join both cultures. And, and that kind of has influence your experiences so now your first book right you, you you have right now as far as i know three books and you can definitely share any more that you're working with if you feel free to 
and the first book is called Tales of My Skin, and I yeah. want to know I want to know a little bit more about what that was like. So Tales of My Skin. Before I actually wrote this, I was very very nervous because I know how um, Nigeria and most African um, co- um, countries are just you know against um, LGBT topics. Mm-hmm. This character is from Nigeria, and this is a true life story. So this is someone that I've known from Nigeria that I met in Chicago when I was living in Chicago. Okay. So this is someone that experienced, um, he, you know, shared his experiences with me that he got from back home. So the book is, it talks about sex, pursuit of love, and, lo- you know, basically looking for love in the wrong places. This mm-hmm. is someone who wasn't given a guideline or wasn't guided to when you come to the U.S., this is the right place or this is the, these are the people to date. So he never really experienced, you know, his um, same-to-same sex um, mm-hmm. back home mm-hmm. because it was such a taboo. So when he comes here, he's, he, he finds himself looking for love in the wrong places. And in, as he's looking for love in the wrong places, as, you know, people read the book, it, it's online dating, it's dating men who are already married, it's putting yourself in danger under the bracket, under the umbrella of looking for love. Yeah. So um, this is what it talks about. And Tunde is the name of the character, you know, just to protect the individual that the book is about. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, he's sharing everything that he's been through in the book and a lot of people um when they've read the book they they're back home and they're like i can relate to this story i know how it feels i can't really express myself publicly Mm. i have to be safe i'm always um i'm always end up dating people and it's so interesting because it feels like people who make the rules back home like oh if, if we catch you sleeping with another man you're going to jail for 14 years but when you read this book, you find out that these are the same people who are on the down low, what? as we say, Come on. dating dating these people that they're making rules against. Talk to us. Yes. Oh, so. That's real. Like, yes. it's mm-hmm. real. It's real. And I, I'm glad, I'm beyond glad that you're bringing this up. I'm sorry. I have to interject really quickly because the down low culture, I think, is something that tends to be associated with african-american men like you know but it's a global thing man especially in the black community and this i mean this sounds very interesting because there's so many people who can relate but quietly relate to the stories that you are telling in this book and i think that's something i receive emails like and it's sad too because they're they're living in fear Mm -hmm. so it's really sad I mean, the, the, this kind of leads me to shift into that experience. The LGBTQ plus community in Africa is something that is completely shunned. And there isn't, there isn't that whole idea of feeling safe. So when you have someone who lives in a country where they have to live in fear, it's only to be expected that when you come to a new country where it's a little bit more accepting, I'm going to say a little bit more, I'm not going to say America is the most accepting right now, but when it's a little bit more, you know, it's how do you know how to navigate? I mean, you have people in these country, in this country here that's learning how to navigate, but they at least have the space to be able to express themselves um, with ridicule or not. But I can only imagine coming here and you don't even know where to go, who to, what to do, who to guide you properly, who to open yourself to. And of course, you're going to make a lot of mistakes that can, that can potentially oh, harm you. 
Definitely. And, and, you know, when you read the book too, you, you, you get to see that, especially my experience in Nigeria, we, I, I can't even, maybe one time that an instructor ever discussed sex, mm-hmm. you know, just a male and female productive organs, that's, mm-hmm. a, that's about it. But they never really discussed, oh, safe sex, you know, stay away abstinence. Like we didn't really hear it a lot. So it's kind of like, when you are put in those situations and someone is telling you, oh, I love you, I'll take care of you, don't worry, don't worry, you know, these are the, the wrong decisions too they made along um, as, you read the, as you read the book. Yeah. Wow, and I even think about it from a health standpoint, right? Of course, when you think about the, the prevalence of certain uh, sexually transmitted diseases, how do you even know what to do when that's not something that's talked about? That's not something mm-hmm. that's talked about in schools, in African schools. It's not talked about in African homes. How do people learn about that? You know, it, it's and the, the thing is, I mean, thank God for things that we can Google, but even when you Google, it's not giving the right information. Right. The thing is, for and I'm still using Tunde as my example, you know, like back home, like I said, it wasn't really discussed a lot, a whole lot. I, I'm not sure if it is now, but... Some people find themselves in a situation where, you know, they they've they've, you know, have a sexual transmitted disease, and they're too afraid, they're too ashamed to go to the nearest clinic to say, "Hey, I'm noticing this. This looks strange. I'm having bumps here. Like, can you help me check it?" They can't even do that because they're afraid. Yeah. They're embarrassed. Yeah. So, you know, they have to either Google. Hopefully they have a close friend that they can call and be like, I'm seeing these signs. Can you go with me to the clinic? But a lot of people don't have that. So they end up committing suicide. They end up st- staying with the sexual until it gets worse. Mm. Wow. I mean, that that is um, very, not. I'm not going to say fascinating, but eye-opening is the better word. And um, I hope the listeners can understand that, you know, in, in Nigeria and most African countries, they are very, very homophobic. Um, and very mm-hmm. against a lot of things that may be beneficial or at least safe for those who identify with or represent the LGBTQ plus community. So I think this conversation that we're going to continue to have right now um, should at least be able to just, I just want to set some context for why this is very critical, especially not just from a mental, but even a physical health standpoint. Um, but yeah, so so tales tales of my skin goes through all of that, and I think that's very very interesting that you share that because when we talk about the people who are down low, the people who are against it are the ones who are also very much so perpetuating, and the ones who are lovers of these um, of these individuals who want to feel safe and and open and be able to lead their lives, you know? So, man, that's that's fascinating. So what about your second book called Stolen Sanity? What What is that about? So Stolen Sanity, my gosh, when I was writing it, I cry. I, I used to, I get so emotional. I cried a few times because um, there are a few, few parts in the book that I could relate to. And even with Tales of My Skin, it's so interesting that both of the, both of these people that. Gave, um, you know, gave me the opportunity to write about them. I both I met both of them in Chicago. So she's also someone I also met in Chicago. Stolen Sanity talk, um, talks about family neglect. It also talks about rape. It also talks about religion. And this is someone that 
you know, from being, from living with her single mother, she's experiencing abuse because sometimes mothers take the pain of the husband leaving out on their children. Mothers blame the children. Mothers, from from a punishment, it leads to abuse yeah. to the point where the, when the kid is coming back home from school, she's she's taking slow steps to opening that door now because they're so afraid of who their mother has become. Um, and you know, in, the, in most African countries, you know, the par- obviously the parents are always right. So you can never question the parents, even if the child walked into the church, like, you know, God forbid, one eye missing and she's bleeding. Mm -hmm. They will still ask, what did you do to your mother? What did you do to your father? Versus we need to take action. We need to help you. We need to intervene. And sometimes it even gets worse where even with that bloody eye, they will say, let us pray the stubbornness out of you. It's that sad. And this is what um, Funke the character experiences. Um, it's it's a true life story as well. And as you read it, it's really, really intense. So I, 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 I tell people that because I wanted to share it raw and exactly how it happened, mm-hmm. the things that she experienced. And as you read it towards the end, I, I always say that, you know, sometimes a lot of us sit on Twitter, Instagram, online in general, or in our houses, it's easy for us to just watch the ending of what happened mm-hmm. and and just start criticizing the person, but we don't really know how it started. So, you know, because yeah. things, people don't just, I personally believe people don't just wake up and start going out to shoot people or start being angry at people. It it comes from somewhere. They've experienced abuse. They've, they've been battling with something way before they just decided to come out of their house and do these things. Right. There's a seed that's planted. There's definitely a seed that's planted that essentially that kind of grows and it leads to, you know, whatever decision they feel they make in order to make them feel safe or whatnot. Now, where is in in your stories, where are these things taking place? Like, are, are they taking place in Africa? Or are they taking place in America? Actually, both. Um, um, that's a good question. They both actually started in Nigeria and they came here. Wow, so you it. you get the basics of how it started and uh, and how they ended up here and their experiences here. Because with things that you've experienced back home, you always take it wherever you go, yeah. wherever you go. Um, it's like a scar, whether it's a scar, whether it's happiness, whether it's, you know, that memory, you take it everywhere you go mm-hmm. with you. And it would also cultivate how you react to people when they say certain things, how you make your decisions, who you choose to love, who you choose to be friends with. It carries on with you. Mm-hmm. That's dope. I like that. And I, I like that. And I think it's very fitting for what we talk about here on this podcast as far as just being able to go from one world to another while still bringing who you are and seeing how it evolves or even devolves based on your exposure to being in a new environment. So now, all right. I want to go back to talking about just, I want to actually try to bridge both of these stories because I'm curious now and I'm talking a little bit more about just the inspiration for you. When you were, when you were like taking all this in and taking the stories in and, you know, you know, doing your research and putting things together, like how did you, what was that process like for you? Like, I'm, I'm sure it wasn't the easiest, but like, how was that putting these stories together after taking everything that was told in to make it be instri- inspired by true events? So, 
Um, for both of these books, it was kind of, should I say, easy for me to write or more comfortable for me to write because there were certain things that I could relate to, um, whether it's um, rejection, whether it's, um, you know, just different little things here and there that I could relate to. And being that I knew the people or I've been around the people, so part of the stories I was able to write because I was also there when some of these things happened. Um, so I try to, for now, write on stories that I also could relate to. Um, as long as it's true life, I always will, you know, be interested in it. I hear that. Um, so now, in America compared to Nigeria, right, I'm thinking about the whole concept of, you know, tales of my skin and what that's about, because that resonates with me in a sense of how do we talk about difficult things in African homes, right? Like, what do you think about that? Because I feel like that's a very, very important thing we need to talk about. It's really tough. It's really tough. Um, so in Stolen Sanity, again, I towards the in a part of the book, I discuss family dinners. Mm-hmm. I feel like that's not really done anymore, and that's everywhere. It's not really done as much. Because these are the times that you're able to share what you experienced in school. You're able to share what happened to you, mm. whether you have finally come to terms that, yes, um, I'm a gay man, I'm a straight man, I'm a lesbian. Like These are things that were discussed on the dinner tables. These were, you know, you, exper- you discuss like whether... Actually, even if someone inappropriately touched you at school, these are things that you discussed on a dinner table. But it's not done anymore. It's like everybody is so consumed with trying to... And it's not the parents' fault because they're so consumed with trying to live, especially if it's a single parent. Or even if it's both parents, they're so consumed with trying to get ahead and trying to provide for their children. So those things don't really exist anymore. And also... Some of the parents do put themselves in a very high chair that they can't really come down to have certain conversations with Mm. their kids. It's seen as disrespect. Mm. Like, you know, a lot of fathers will not want to discuss sex, you know, how sex is or how to stay away from sex or how it happened for their parents when they first experienced it. So these are conversations they don't want to have with their children. It's seen as disrespect. Why would I sit down and have that conversation with you, Mm. you know? Or sometimes they pass it to each other. The father will like, oh, go and meet your mother. Your mother can discuss all of that with you. I don't have time. Mm-hmm. Or the mother will say, no, go to your father. Mm-hmm. You know, it's it feels like they're also uncomfortable having that kind of conversation. Mm-hmm. So the, that's where the kids are left to make decisions on their own, or mm-hmm. they're left to make decisions based on what their peers are saying at right. school. Yeah, and back, and back in my time, most of the times, our parents was like, "Oh, you know, if you haven't had sex, you're lame, you're a nerd." Yeah, yeah, <laughs> so yeah, it's yeah. like that hasn't changed. <laughs> that hasn't changed at all. That culture still exists. You know, that, it's, <laughs> true, it's, true. It's, it's funny. It's funny that you're bringing this up, bro. Like, no lie. Um, I just before this whole quarantine thing hit, I had you know I was um, you know, working on my research projects, and one of the things I had a student who was one of my research assistants was um. You know, she was trying to put together a research project. And these are one of the things she talked about. They were talking about how to, what is the, what's the level of, or I should say, what's the quality of sex education that black immigrants, um, so not just limited to Africans, but also folks from the diaspora, like the Jamaicans and Caribbeans, 
um, like what kind of quality sexual education do they get from home compared to what they get in school? And how does that matter as far as the, the choices they make? Because we obviously, as you mentioned at the beginning of this conversation, you know, you take a lot from what you learn from home, right? And that mm-hmm. is what, that's the behavior that you, in, in that, that becomes innate in you. And that's what you practice and you prefer to practice because we all know that in anything that we do, you, you hear the voices of your parents as you're conscious. Like at some point, if you're well-disciplined, your parents are the voices you hear when you're trying to make choices sometimes. And mm-hmm. and so I think about it when when, when your parents don't have a voice or a say to something as serious and sensitive and delicate as sex education and, you know, when we talk about abuse and things like that, I mean, you're not, it's it doesn't bode well for the future generation, especially when you come to America. Yet, I know that, like, you know, African parents tend to try to, we try to preserve our culture. This is the whole notion of this transnationalism, by trying to preserve your culture. The things you did at home, you want to keep it here so that your, your identity remains strong. But those are some of the bad things that I think we need to try to, as future generations, we need to try to shed away because... It endangers a lot of kids. If you can't feel safe talking to your own parents about mm-hmm. what's going on, I'm way in trouble. <laughs> like, <laughs> like that's wild, man. Like, in the long run, <laughs> seriously. Like, if you can't talk to your pupsy about, if you can't talk to your pupsy because your pupsy feels, that means, like, as you mentioned, there's something there. Like, there's something, some insecurity, something of not really feeling confident that you know enough. Because if not, there's no reason for you not to be able to educate. Because then, if they want to go, if they go and if they go and do something that's wrong, then they don't want to take the blame. They're gonna say, "Oh, you went to go and hang out with the wrong people. You are doing this. You're watching TV. You are going to do funny, funny stuff. You're doing roundabout things." And then mm-hmm. now, all of a sudden, your child has you know an STD or God forbid HIV positive and. Now you, you don't want to say anything. You're going to say that is their fault when you could have prevented True. this from a long time ago. It's crazy. And 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 the, and the, the crazy thing is, it's only uh, so much of us that are sort of I don't want to say lucky, but that's the only word I can think of right now. Yeah. That the parents are just happen to say, "Oh, what were you? You know, when they come pick up the school, they're like, what were you doing that day? Mm. You better not get her pregnant, so." It's kind of like that's the only thing that you can think in your head to stay away from sex, <laughs> you know, based on what they yelled about, or if you're, you know, watching TV. Because I, I, I always like to say TV, even though TV, you know, we watch a lot of depressing things and you know things that you know that's just crazy. Yeah. But TV also helps to help. It also helps to build people because there are a lot of um, inspirational. Movies that, um, for example, Nigeria creates back home in Hollywood that kind of explain these things to you and the dangers of having unprotected sex. Mm-hmm. So I, I know for me, I never really had the conversation with my mom. Me so for me, for me, it was what I watched on TV. Yeah, you know yep. the, you know the character with Ramsey Noah, whoever back then, like. They had unprotected sex, and now he has AIDS. And yep. even though they made it really funny, but the character is like. Literally all all darkened and his hair is white and he's losing weight. Mm-hmm. This was how this was their way of telling you stay away from unprotected sex. So that's what people like myself carried along with us. Like, okay, just stay away from it because this is what I saw on TV. You'd be surprised how many people can relate to you on that, bro. Because I can't. You know, like 
I grew up not having a conversation. Like, I'm going to tell you real talk, like the only time, and this is probably after I knew a little bit more, but, you know, only time that my mom ever had a conversation with me about sex was <laughs> one day I was, this is when I lived in Chicago too. I grew up in Chicago as well. So we all, oh. yeah, South side, oh, well, North side and South side, like every Nigerian, but, um, <laughs> <laughs> but, uh, but then, you know, I came home from high school. I mean, I came home from a trip. I was in high school at the time or uh, I was in my freshman year of college. I came home for, for um, holidays and there was condoms in my drawer that my, my nephew had found playing around in my room when I wasn't there. He found some condoms. My mom found it. And literally, Russ, I tell you, like my mom came home, she sat me down, she was like, I saw what was in your room. I was like, okay. She said, okay. And she said, and so, so they call my you know, person, they call me Kelly, right? So my mom calls me Kelly. So what, then, wait, wait, wait. Was she sitting on the couch waiting for her to come back home? No, no, no. Actually, she wasn't, bro. She wasn't. She wasn't. But it was because it was, it was, she was just doing something. But she sat down in her room and I meant to meet her in her room. And she was sitting on her bed and she was just like, she was like, Kelly, she was that temptation. Okay. Temptation. Okay. Be careful about temptation. And my God, that was a conversation right there. That was the birds and the bees for me. They still wouldn't. Explain. They would just say certain words around it Yo, and end it there. Temptation was what she called it, and I was like, "But that has I don't at this point." Like I said, I I learned, like you mentioned, through TV. You know, actually paying attention in, in high school when they talked about STDs, um, and then you know from from just other people talking and music. Like oh, I learned through oh, pop if, culture. Or oh, like oh, if the neighbor's child got a girl pregnant, they'll just right. use that as an example, right? <laughs> But the whole thing is like sex equals pregnancy. They don't talk about the disease. The condom exactly. is the condom is about is a, is a contraceptive for pregnancy and not necessarily a preventative for STDs. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? So like that's all they can connect it to, and then everything else is God's punishment to you <laughs> for, for, doing, for doing what they told you not to do that they didn't talk about with you. <laughs> so, so, I mean, yo, it's crazy. It blows my mind and all the time. I've gone forbid that the child, God forbid that the child had an STD and went with the parents to the hospital because I'm oh, sure the parents God. were embarrassing. <laughs> You're in trouble. And the whole village will know for no reason. Oh, of course. Oh, my God. <laughs> Yo, so it, it's amazing. You know what I'm saying? So, okay, funny, funny enough, because now this conversation leads me to think of something. I don't know if you, if you were, you know, we're, we're, we're sitting at home, everybody's Netflixing now, right? But there's a show on Netflix called Sex Education. And, you know, I saw it, but I haven't clicked on it. Okay, okay. Well, so you should check it out because in that, there's a character in the show. It's based in London, but there's a character in there and he's African and he mm-hmm. is gay. And they really do some very they do a really good job with the screenwriting and the storytelling to also develop his character to show how he you know goes about not just being open but how he also while being open is able to express his africanness it's well done bro like you and, and that that mm. led me to think about like just how it works in our community and what it could possibly be because you know, they show him like he's coming and he's rocking a gala and, he's, you know, and it's not like rocking a gala like Bob Risky, right? It's like, mm-hmm. it's, you know, him wearing his own fashion, you know, in his own bag, wearing a suit that's nice, but wearing a gala to express, 
you know, the feminine side of who he is. Yo, and it, and it just, it was a brilliantly done way. And I thought about it like, man, imagine if one day that could be, that could be someone who feels comfortable and safe in his own skin as an African mm-hmm. member of the LGBTQ+. Mm-hmm. That's what it needs to be, bro. But I'm so scared about what that looks like in the future because of the homophobia that's out there. Oh, yes. Oh, yes. Wow. It's it's becoming it's becoming crazy and dangerous for people. Dangerous, wow, and that's that's a sad thing. Um, now because got... a lot a lot of people can't even go back home to visit anymore because it's like when a lot of people are comfortable here, yeah. it's not it's not one hundred percent acceptable. But maybe like eighty percent, seventy five percent. So to just randomly want to visit and just once you have to. Pretend and act while mm-hmm. you're there is just too much. So, so a lot of people just choose not to go. Yeah, it's hard to it's hard to you know. It's interesting because when we talk about when I sit and talk on, on this show about what transnationalism is, and that's that a primary part of that is being able to go back and forth. And I and when we talk about what are some things that keep people from connecting back to their homeland, that's a major part, right? So unless mm-hmm. you are playing the role of being on the down low. You know, you can't, you don't want to go back home because you finally, if you're lucky enough, as you mentioned, you finally been able to find a space where you can be open and be who you truly feel you are. And then all of a sudden you want to try to go back and revert. It's like a butterfly going back into a cocoon. Like it doesn't work that way. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> you, you it doesn't, and you know. You know, our people back home, like, depending on who the person is, the questions will be flying left oh and right. God. When are you getting married? When oh are you having children? So it's like a mental, like, attack. Yeah, you can't do it. You can't do it. And you know the thing about it, even if, even if you know, they try to be accepting, it's because, so you never know, right? That person may, you know, you know, Facebook is a, is a major player and WhatsApp is a major player for people keeping in touch with back home folks. So imagine if they already know through Facebook what, you know, what's going on and how, that you, you know, people are open and out and mm-hmm. I can only imagine, right? Coming home and people, there's this whole, you know, shaming and, and I, I wouldn't, if I were them, I wouldn't want to go back home either because it was, I don't, what was, I don't need the wild, what, what was this trouble? I don't need all that, right? Like, leave me alone, you know what I mean? So it's crazy because look, I had a cousin when I went to, this was probably in 2000 and probably 20, 2008 or 2012. It was a while back when I went back to Ghana where my mom grew up and I went to Ghana and this is when like my cousin actually came out to me as bi. And, you know, for me at that point, you know, I didn't care. I still don't. I never care. I've never been a person of just like, oh my, look, well, if you're bi, that's your own P. Like, when we're out. Wingman for me, you feel me? Like if, if you're going, if you're going, when we're going out to the club, wingman for me. Then if you, you know, but whatever, I'm here to support you, you know. So, but I thought about it, and he would tell me some things as far as like, you know, the culture, even in Ghana, is you know the download court culture was massive back then because he was like, there's so many people who speak, mm-hmm. speak, speak, and play this tough masculine role, but they're the people that he's like, they turned out. Bet. And I was like, really? He was like, yeah. You know, pointing some people out when we go out to the nightclub. He's like, this person, this person, this person. Best believe all that, all that yowzy they're doing. That's just a stunt. And that's when I really start to think like, wow, this thing is deeper than rap. Like people don't know what's really going on, you know, behind the scenes 
And a lot of yeah. those who actually are the brave ones that come out and be who they truly are, they deserve the salute, bro. Mm-hmm. It is mm-hmm. a salute, man. It's a um, lot. It's a lot. Mm, mm. And, and and even with the stolen sanity, like we talked about, the whole concept of abuse, that whole why do we blame the kids? You know, there's there's something about you know, spare the rod, spoil the child. I get that concept for having two kids of my own, but there's also that whole thing about kids are watching and kids know. You know, there's something like adults can also know like when the kids really, really need help, when they want to talk to you. You need to listen. Like you cannot underestimate the the words of your children. Like they are heavy, especially when they're talking about serious situations that they're trying to express what's really going on with them. Because um, you know they're looking up to their parents to be the guide to them. So when you start abusing them, it's kind of like they're left to figure it out on their own. Right. And this is why parents. Um, and this is why a lot of children, because I never try to question people without hearing their story. Yeah. This is why a lot of people suddenly vanish from their parents. They don't call their parents. They mm-hmm. don't see their parents. We don't know what that person has experienced. Mm-hmm. So I try not to judge until I know what's going on because, whether, because believe it or not, it's probably they've been abused all their life. They, you know, and this is their way of staying away. Because it's like the book Stolen Sanity. Their sanity has been stolen. In mm-hmm. order to recover it and find it, they need to stay away from whoever has been abusing them all those years. Wow. And I think sometimes it's not, and sometimes it's not just as simple as let me go away. If this is somebody that you trusted, somebody that you were close to, somebody that you know is your mother, <laughs> like it's very difficult because, or your father, because as you mentioned, our culture is very, they're very rigid about you know honoring your parents and that's one thing where oh well no matter what happens this is your mother this is your father this is the person that born you like then then this you know you don't want don't do this don't do that like that whole idea that parents are incapable of making mistakes is can be very dangerous when you applied in the wrong setting so mm-hmm. it's it's scary what can what it can do and as you mentioned and even in America because in Nigeria is worse because who are you gonna tell in America you know people they talk about it in Nigeria all the time like in America you can call the police on your parents can you call can you call like you can do you can't do that in Nigeria because why are you calling the police for the police until we can flog you even more for like wasting your time <laughs> so like coming to yeah. America and doing that you know the community that we create here in America also does sometimes doesn't really support as far as being able to help the children be able to express themselves. So kids have to rely on outside sources and that doesn't always help, you know, so that whole distancing mm-hmm. takes place. Um, but I don't want to, I don't want to delve too much in this without talking about your third or your most recent work. You know, I'd be remiss okay. if I didn't bring that up. You said it was, um, it's called forbidden scriptures. And this is a, this is a poetry, a book, yeah. right? Yes, so um, Forbidden Scriptures is not out yet. I actually was supposed to do the book signing next week on the March 28th. Oh. But because of what's going on, I, ha- I, I'm, I have to cancel. I haven't actually put the word out, but a lot of people know that it's canceled. Okay. So Forbidden Scriptures is just a creative way that I, I expressed myself through um, poetry. Mm-hmm. Um, and it talks about different sexual scenarios that people enjoy, whether mm-hmm. it's being a dominatrix, whether it's having sex on a roof, on a vacation on underwater. Mm-hmm. You know, it playfully and creatively discusses that and hopefully it gives people the confidence to to be confident when 
there with their partners and say, this is how I want to be satisfied. This is how I want to be pleasured. Right. This is what I, uh, this is how I want to spice up our relationship. So it just, it just speaks through poetry. Yeah. So it speaks through poetry about the different types of like sexual experiences and fantasies that mm-hmm. people may desire, right. And how they pursue satisfaction. Mm-hmm. So I think about that and I'm thinking about just what that in regards to, how how it's received you know from from a cultural standpoint i think it's amazing that you know this is this is the first time like at least as far as i know that i've had someone who's nigerian and you know raised raised in africa who actually has content that really like centers the content on sexual experiences and 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 developing confidence and being able to express how you want to be satisfied, which I feel doesn't happen often enough. And I think as you, it's, it's a conversation that people try to tiptoe around and people are nervous about. And I always wonder why, because I think Nigerians can talk about so many things, yo. Like Africans can talk about so many other things. But when you bring up this type of stuff, people, people shrivel. <laughs> like, they shy away. They shy away. So and the only as most places where you can catch them to be open about is behind the keyboard. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so, and, and, you know, for me, honestly, I have, I, you know, I try to be very honest. Even though I, I do think about, Hey, what are people going to say? But I've always been that kid that I will just do it. Like, I don't even care. Like, Why okay, you want, you're going to beat me. What else? So what? Life goes on. <laughs> and my parents have always known that about me. I was that kid that, oh, the first time I ever saw Beyonce, I fell in love with Beyonce, and next day I'm wearing heels and I'm doing drag. And they will just know that, if it's because it's something I enjoyed, they just know that, okay, if we go up to Beyonce, whether we like it, it's still going to continue. <laughs> so, it's kind of like, so with all these books I've written, if we did for anyone, like, my mom would be like, yeah, that's my son. He, he, he goes for what he likes. <laughs> yeah. I mean, that's dope. So, so it's kind of like uh, me writing it. I'm hoping, despite being judged, despite being shy, people can at least, even if they don't publicly want to, because it's okay. Not everyone wants to publicly discuss these things. Mm-hmm. But at least go home and grab your wife and be like, you know, grab your partner and be like, you know, we need to spice up yeah. our sex life, yeah. you know. <laughs> You know, at least play a scene, play a scenario, text your wife and be like, come home, I want you, you know, make it fun. Like, is that's just the whole point of it. Like, make it fun. Yeah. Like, you know, you know, awake yourself when you're sexually, you know, have a sexual awakening. Yeah. I mean, you know, the thing about it is that I feel like, and I'm, I don't, and I'm trying not to, I'm not trying to channel my inner Nigerian parent, but I can only imagine that... <laughs> <laughs> I can only imagine that, you know, this is something that when you when you speak on stuff like this, they consider it to be like Americanized. And I'm thinking about it because, yo, like these types of conversations as far as like sexual pleasure and and, you know, scenarios and scenes and positions and stuff like that. That's not like, yo, like, I mean, God forbid, like I couldn't even imagine my parents even trying to. And get, like to them, it's just like, I, we I, we need to get pregnant. Here's what we do, missionary. Like this is it. <laughs> like, it's obligatory. You know what I mean? So like it's like this. So even so, so for I think it's it definitely for our 
you know, second or just 1.5 or the future generations of us, of the Africans yes. is for us yes. because it's I think that their time has passed. <laughs> <laughs> like, like I don't, and I mean, you know, you would be surprised. Though, you would think because there's definitely a, a voice out there, and there's something to be said about making sure that the older senior aging population should also experience that. But I just don't think that happens because it's so. I think I think mostly. Well, I haven't really known a whole lot of people, but the only thing I can think of is maybe through music that you would get mm. someone publicly discussing it, whether it was like Fela, because you know yeah. Fela was very, yeah. was like a, a, a daring person facts. that would mention certain things in his songs. Your lady Our parents yeah. listened to yeah. it, they enjoyed it, doesn't mean that they would discuss it, yeah. but they, they're enjoying it in their mind, they're thinking of what has happened when they were, you know, at that point, yeah. or whether, what happened the night before. <laughs> <laughs> But they would just never come to the forefront and want to discuss it or, you know. <laughs> so it's like, it's there, but it's, it's not a lot of people who are publicly discussing it. And I know now, a group with our generation now, we're having it through a lot through music. Um, again, people are listening to it, but again, they're not really like discussing. And if they are discussing it, it will be behind the keyboards on Twitter, mm-hmm. on Instagram, but like not like face to face a lot. Yeah. You know, it's interesting when you talk about the whole, the whole um, back in the, the, the older generation, and it's true, like with, with Fela and stuff. I think about some songs. Even when, when you hear, like in Fela's song, you talk about your 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 particulars. Or let me see your lady license, <laughs> right? Or you know, Nigerian men, how they, you know, African men, how they like to use, they speak in in code where they say, "Oh, I want to browse you." Like, like, mm-hmm. like but yeah, <laughs> <laughs> like But 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 you know now you know, and then even when I'm on Instagram. And mm-hmm. I am looking at, you know, there, there are some pages that are based in Nigeria and you see mm-hmm. them talking about things related to that, you know, related to sex. And behind the keyboard, you'd be like, yo, people can talk. <laughs> like, people oh, can really talk, you know, and, but in person, they don't. But I think you said music, music definitely plays a major role. But I wonder what that does, right, as far as strengthening the, the personal relationships at home and I think what you're providing can be a very, very important tool to be able to strengthen the the relationships in African homes to make people not feel like they have to be too, too damn modest in the privacy of their, you know, their loved ones with their lovers, that they should be able to feel open and free. Women and men or whoever, however you identify, it needs to be more. It shouldn't just be an American thing. It should be a global thing. Africans should be able to feel good to be able to speak on what they want and how they want to be satisfied. Women should feel they should feel safe enough to tell their partners how they want to be satisfied. And I think that's something that needs to be encouraged more. So I appreciate what you're doing, man. Yes, that's how relationships last. That's how people are happy. That's how people are coming out of the house, glowing, going to work, dropping off the kids at school. You know, these are the things that, you know, lead to happiness. Yeah, I agree, man. (laughs) I agree. So before, before we wrap up, though, I want to... I want you to just share with me what do you think as an artist, as a creative, as an author, um, as an African American, how do you how do you want your work to impact others, the world? What do you want to be the ultimate outcome when it's all said and done for you? You know, um, because of my work touching on different topics, I just think the the main thing I want to get out there is live in your truth, be confident, and share your story so your neighbor or your partner or those behind you can learn from it. 
And we also, and through my work, I'm hoping that despite our wrongs that people are not judging us, but people are calling us to decide like, hey, my brother, hey, my sister, you should do it this way or this is how I've done it. I think you should go this route. Because people are so, um, everybody wants to be the correct person. Everybody wants to be the one saying, no, you're wrong, you're wrong, you're wrong. But we never, we say you're wrong, but we never actually say, hey, you're wrong. But this is how I think you should do it, or this is how I've done it, and this is the result I got. So through art, through the stories, we can reach out to someone, whether it's a therapist, even though a lot of people don't like to go to a therapist, they feel they can just pray certain things out or pray to find recovery. But I'm hoping with the work I've provided out there that they can speak to people about their problems at home, they can actually go for a recovery class and, you know, live in a better setting than they are right now, um, whether it's whether they're at home, you know, because a lot of people are smiling and you never know what's behind their smile, whether they're, they're suffering being a single, single parent, they're being abused. So hopefully they can go out there and speak to someone. They can go out there and let their stories be heard. heard. They can find recovery. They can finally put an, a real actual smile on their faces. So these are things that I hope my work can do in the world. And I think, and I think it really will, man. And I, and I just want to take the time to thank you. Is there any way that people can reach you on social media or website? You know, can you share that with them so they can listen and hear and find you? So I'm mainly on Instagram, occasionally on Facebook. Biodun, B-I-O-D-U-N, last name Abudu, A-B-U-D-U. I'm on Instagram. I'm also on Facebook, on Twitter. I do check all my messages, so you can always DM me. You can always email me, info at biadunabadu.com. Also, and if you're looking for my work, you always see me advertising it on my page. It's on Amazon.com. It's also at Barnes & Noble um, to be shipped internationally or locally. You can find them there. If you're looking for my artwork as well, it's on my website or on my page. Always feel free to hit my DM if you don't want to email. I, I make it easy for people. Fantastic. All right. So that, people, you all have no reason why you shouldn't get this man's book. You have nowhere to go. You have nothing to do. Read the book. Biodun, <laughs> Russ, um, thank you so much for this. Thank this was so a godsend. I really appreciate you coming in and sharing this work with thank us. Thank you. I think this was something that is Thank really you so much for having me, actually, because, you know, not a lot of people invite you um, to their platform to discuss this kind of things to benefit all of us in our community. So I'm grateful that you gave me this opportunity. Thank yes. you so much. No, man, we appreciate you. We're evolving. And if there's any way that we can support you, please know that we, my Black Transnational, and myself included, are here to support you and watch you grow. Your message is important. Your art needs to be put out more. All right? So Thank you so much. Have a good one, bro. We appreciate it. Thank, Thank you so you much for joining the show. Stay safe. And congratulations again on your new joy. Thank you so much, man. Thank you. Thank you. So that's going to do it for this episode of My Black is Transnational. I hope you all really enjoyed the conversation with Mr. Abadu like I did. Uh, thank you, Biondu, for just spending time with us during these crazy times of the coronavirus pandemic and being able to sit down and talk about your truth. And I really do hope that you all take the opportunity to read the book, go out and buy the book, spend some time 
doing your isolation and your quarantine, reading the book and enlightening yourself um, to some new works, some poetry, um, and just be able to spark some conversation uh, with your family members, with your friends, with strangers about issues that are very important and let it not just be a conversation that is strictly strictly relegated to those behind keyboards you have the confidence to actually have these conversations in person um but yeah you can find um other episodes on any of your favorite podcast listening apps uh please make sure to rate subscribe and review the podcast once again i continue to encourage you all to stay safe Please wash your hands. Please minimize interactions and and crowding or being part of large crowds. Um, Please make sure to use this time to also interact with people virtually. Still make sure to stay engaged. You are not alone. I am here, at least through these airwaves, uh, to try to entertain you and create, give something, something of an outlet. So let's try to make the most of these crazy dark times. All right. So until next time, my name is Dr. Kalechi Bay Lamberts. My black is transnational. And I hope by the end of this, I truly hope by the end of this, um, this pandemic that yours will be too. Peace. Be safe, y'all.